Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Colin Farrell. Uh, no, I'm not. Colin Farrell doesn't know how to talk on a microphone. He just knows how to stand there and brood. Yeah, totally. But that's okay because that's what he's good at. I he's like great it. at it. And he does it a lot in this, even in the dark. They get that lighting yes. just right. Fright Night 2011. Maligned 2011's Fright Night. Let's just jump right into this. This movie is unfairly maligned. And yeah, as, oh, I, yeah. as I totally. said to you when I saw it recently for the show was, this is good. It's good. It's entertaining. It's fun. And it just suffers from coming out in 2011, like a lot of the remakes that came out around that time. If you kind of ignore those aspects of it, like shoddy, I want to say shoddy, but less than believable CG effects. And by the way, real quick, there's something I didn't catch until I wasn't aware of this until I saw the the, the credits. Like KNB is involved in this. Yep. Saw that. In a lot of ways, this does feel like a Dark Castle movie. Oh no, a hundred percent it does. I yeah. was gonna. I, I was shocked that it wasn't. And here's the thing: I am. I am guilty. Uh, I'm one of those people the guilty, mal, the guilty maligned. I, I had never seen this movie. I'm just gonna get this out of the way. I love, and you know how much I love the original. So I never saw this strictly on the fact that I was like, "Don't give a shit. Don't remake Fright Night." I never saw it, and okay. I was a hundred percent wrong. This movie's a lot of fun. Uh, it does suffer from those things. But again, it's 2011. That's what it was. Right. Uh, but it totally feels like those Dark Castle movies that we covered. It's, I just watched Gothica the other night oh. for some reason on HBO Max. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, this this could have been one of those movies. Right. Although the cast in this is is super solid. Yep. And maybe not as campy as those casts in those Dark Castle movies. Oh, I think so. All these people were not... I feel like if we if we go back and we look at those <laughs> real hard at those uh, Dark Castle movies, some of the cast were beyond their peak, and then some of them uh, that was their peak. That was right? their peak. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, to be fair, and, and I enjoyed them. When you look at this one, and you have okay, first of all, we mentioned Colin Farrell. He's got a big task ahead of him because I think every person that I've ever talked to about the original Fright Night. I'm like, you got to battle Chris Sarandon, right? And talk about brooding. <laughs> right. You're like going, he's so freaking charming in that movie every step of the way. And you're like going, Charlie, just give up, dude. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah, dude, you're not, just look, he's going to get your mom and your girlfriend. Just fuck off. <laughs> you have no chance. And he's going to take your best friend. <laughs> yeah. It's all, and you're done, dude. Don't bother. Since we're mentioning Chris Sarandon, you missing from him is his guy Friday. He doesn't have an assistant, his daytime right. guy that handles everything, his familiar. No, Billy. No, he handles everything himself. And yeah. I think I think he's able to because he's Colin Farrell. Jerry, well, yeah, there's that. But Jerry's <laughs> the whole movie is reset from instead of Los Angeles. We're now in Las Vegas, which fits the whole sleeping during the day motif Absolutely. perfectly. And I, and I remember when a movie came out, I'm going, oh gosh, just like you, I'm going, why are we doing this? I, I never gave it a fair shake until I saw it the first time. I'm like, dude, this is good. This is, this is yeah. like, I, I mean, it's funny if you look at, if you look at Fright Night, how the, and I remember reading some old reviews, they were very similar to some of the things like, oh, you can't lean on nostalgia and all this kind of crap, which is, I mean, look, at that's what these studios are doing anyway with the remix. They're leaning on nostalgia yeah, of always. those movies. But what they did here, 
uh, Craig Gillespie directed it, who, you know, from Lars and the Real Girl and, and before this and then after I, this. Tanya. Yeah, I, Tanya. Cruella. And then right? Cruella just this year. They did something smart. They did some takeaways from the original and then they added some things. Again, they take away the familiar and they've already set up the fact that Ed and Charlie already separated. They're already, because you never really understand right. in 85 why Ed and Charlie have this instant disconnect. Not just because he, just not because right. Derry turns him. It's because he's always like giving him a hard time. Because you get that speech from Sarandon where he's like, right before he turns him, where he's like, they'll never laugh at you again, Ed. Right. You get that whole like speech and, and, and I was always like, well, I didn't know they were laughing at him anyway. Right. But you get all that in this. Right. And it's, and it's a great setup because in this case, Ed is Christopher Mintz Plaza and, and you don't see him until he shows up later on when he's got Charlie trying to say, Hey, let's go find our, our, our third friend, which is again, one of those additions, but we never, we only see the addition because guess who, guess what happens to him? He is the very first kill of the movie. Right. But what hasn't changed is that Charlie lives next door to Jerry, but Jerry's already moved in. Jerry's just been there because mom, Tony Collette, I mean, here we are, we're stacking this, this cast up big time. And every time you turn around, you see somebody you're like, damn, this, this, again, the, the cast just keeps elevating. And of course you mentioned, mentioned Emma Jim Poots, who is the girlfriend. Amy, she plays Amy this go around. Right. And this time around, you know, they're not, there's not this thing where, where Charlie and Amy don't know how to connect. They're kind of like oh, yeah, already totally. there. Right. And, and nobody, including us, can figure out why she is attracted to Charlie Brister. Right. Although he's Anton Yeltsin and he's adorable. So how, <laughs> how does that really work? Right. As is every character in there, like all yes. the, all the, all the, all the, uh, the, the cool kids are like, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Right. That's okay. You um, don't have to. And the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, the, the, the key part of the original is, all right, well, who is Peter Vincent in this? Oh, well, Peter Vincent in this is not a former hammer actor turned Saturday afternoon horror film television host. No, he is a Chris Angel knockoff on, at, at, with a residency at Hard Rock Hotel, killing it with a magic show built around vampires. I, and I can't believe I'm forgetting her name, but his sidekick, and then she's awesome. Dude. Is that that's Sandra Vergara, right? I think so. Yeah, she plays Ginger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's great, dude. She's so funny. Their their whole back and forth is priceless. Yeah. Here we are. Our first exposure to to this Peter Vincent. He's doing rehearsal for his show, and you're like, oh man, this dude does not look like Peter Vincent at all that no. we know. He looks like Chris Angel. It looks like Chris Angel. <laughs> And so as Charlie's having an exchange with him backstage, well, our Chris Angel, in this case, Peter Vincent starts taking off his disguise his and he's hair. taking off his hair <laughs> and his makeup. And all of a sudden, oh, look, it's Doctor Who. Dude, second week in a row, <laughs> right? Yes. We get Doctor Who in a movie. <laughs> we were talking how about crazy how, is that? we were talking about how we were going to do this in order and what order we were going to show of our movies this month. And I went, and it hit me last night when we decided, let's, let's do Fright Night next. Like, Oh shit, we got two Doctor Who's in a row. Awesome. Right? Yeah. And what's what's awesome about this too is uh this is also the second movie in a row that I had not seen before because I had never seen Attack the Block. Oh yeah, look at that. Right. So that we got two and we got two Doctor Who's, we got two movies I've never seen before. Hey, but the next one you haven't seen 
and there's no Doctor Who person in it. So right. There's, there's, so there you go. There's a small chain being broken there. The chain. Well, well we don't know. Is there a Doctor Who in there? Maybe. Could be. Uh, we'll have to look real hard. Don't know. <laughs> when he's peeling that stuff off and he's having that conversation, because I had never seen him, I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, That's Peter Vincent? What the fuck's he doing? Right. Did, did he, is he doing a stage show or something? And then as he's peeling the shit off and you're sort of, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. He's like, he's in residency in Vegas. Of course. Right. Yes. They sleep all day. He sleeps all day. Yep. You know, it's a night, you know, and he, he basically, when, when he gets down to his breaks it all down and there's a, the great, that teaser finally makes sense about halfway through the movie, that opening. Uh, yeah, exactly. Teaser. <laughs> Tenet is so good in this movie. Yes. I, I love Tenet, dude. I don't know if you watched, but he was so great on Jessica Jones. I don't think anybody I know that is, I've talked to plenty of people that have never seen him as Doctor Who, but know right. him at, on Jessica Jones. But dude, he's so great on that. He's and so I will great. say this: I will go out on. He is my favorite Doctor Who, hands down. Okay, right on. He is. I mean, he's he's. But dude, hit that role he plays on Jessica Jones. Yeah, fucking amazing. Yep. And you know the thing about Tenet is I feel like I've never seen Tenet in anything I didn't think he was great in. There's just something about him, royally trained, Shakespearean actor. Guy can play anything, right? He does. You don't ever feel like you're getting like a half-assed, you know, phone-it-in performance. He does something in this that I'm happy he didn't do what Roddy McDowell did. I, I think it was cool that he... I don't know the way he, the way he did it. Cause that was the thing is like he, the, the, the whole premise is Peter doesn't believe Charlie and, and from the first movie and, and no different than hell in the second movie too. Right. <laughs> I don't, he didn't believe him even though they went through the shit they went through. That was, that was less believable. The second one than, than this one, because like, yeah, it makes sense that he would be unsure about him. Like you're trying to use my show against me. You're full of shit. This is just a show, man. People pay me a hundred right. bucks a night to come here and watch me entertain them it, to, to help further his career and, and to continue to have ideas for his show to extend his residency. Maybe not this hotel, but maybe at another one, which happens a lot and with magicians in Las Vegas, moving oh, from, yeah. uh, from uh, venue to venue. He has this whole museum of artifacts of different occult from different cultures he never paid any mind to him because they were just things that helped, you know, they were just things that he picked up along the way, not out of interest in those materials, but in the interest of money and continuing to pre a performer. And then he sees something (laughs) that Charlie brings him as proof that, you know, once Christopher Mintz plus who, but that's the way Christopher Mintz plus lose comes to Charlie and says, Hey dude, our buddy's missing the one we saw murdered at the beginning because those two had already been on to Jerry about him being a vampire. And they're right. and Ed is coming to Charlie with this, with all this stuff saying, look, dude, here's video. Look at him. He's not even getting out of his truck. Look, there's the door opens by itself. And there's this whole great setup. I, I thought that was a clever way of getting around the technology and, and how you knew when Jerry was coming, mm-hmm. it was just super smart. How they did stuff like that. I love that they carried in, they carried over, all the things of not being able to invite somebody into the house. Oh yeah, man, that scene, right? Like when yeah. Farrell comes over to borrow some beer. Yep. And he won't come in. And then I think he did a fantastic way of him finding a way into the house without being invited. <laughs> no house, <laughs> no invite needed. Now I want to point out too, Marty Knoxon, who who wrote the script, she has the, she's the lone screenwriter on this 
she comes from the days of Buffy, not just a not just a staff writer on Buffy, but she directed a few episodes and she was also the showrunner for Sharp Objects from a few years ago on HBO. So she knows how to generate, uh, you know, some good suspense. And that's pretty difficult to do when you already know the plot of a movie like this. Right. But she does, totally. she adds so many things. Her, her and Craig work really, really well together and it shows. And I think because of that and the cast is on board, that all those things that are different, because let's be honest here, anytime we see a remake of something or a sequel, it's like when they try to yep. lean too much on what they did before, it's, right. it's, it's a fine line of of nostalgia and bringing something new. Because like, yeah, 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 I know. Come on. Oh, yes, yeah, right. Riggs is crazy and, and Murtaugh's too old for this shit. We already know sure. this. Well, it's like when a band does a cover song, right? It's like, dude, are you going to, you know... You gotta, you gotta make it your own. Exactly. You can't just, you can't just do a straight cover. Otherwise, you know, I'll just go see a tribute band. Right. I don't want to see a tribute movie. <laughs> and they right. didn't, they did some really fun, smart things in this movie. Um, dude, I love the, uh, the whole concept of Jerry's got all those little rooms down there on right. the ground, right. Where, you know, he keeps them, you know, he keeps all these girl or keeps his victims sort of, you know, the way you would, you would keep uh, it, dude, it reminded, it's so weird. It reminded me of, it reminded me of like, uh, when you go to the shelter to adopt a dog, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, you know, did they design this with like that in mind? It's just so right. weird, dude, the hallway and the doors and just the you whole know, thing. That scene that we're talking about and the end of the third act that you're talking about, you mentioned the rooms earlier, but the end. <sighs> oh yeah. Right. That felt like right out of Buffy, the vampire slayer. And you know what even oh, more uh, felt yeah, like? Yeah, totally. It felt like that moment in blade. Yes. Where, where the, the doctor runs into her old, her old, uh, uh, lab buddy who didn't turn. Oh God, dude, that whole setup is so good. It's funny. Uh, we mentioned Chris Roman's plus and there's, there is, another Judd Apatow connection in this movie. And we got, again, a fairly young Dave Franco in this. Right. And he's one of Charlie's buddies. He's kind of like, it's funny, like Charlie in, in Franco. And I forget the third guy that's kind of like in their group of, uh, at, the, at the high school. The taller guy with the long hair. Yeah. They're kind of like, they're kind of like transitioning into the cool kid category because of Charlie. Right. And they're, they're also, they're the ones that put that out there. Like everybody else is thinking, how, <laughs> dude isn't isn't he from zeke and luther oh yes i think you're right right that, yeah. that's him right yeah, yeah yeah, i think he is he's also on modern family yes he is he's he's the older daughter's uh boyfriend recurring boyfriend on on uh, yes yeah yeah he he's not in it a lot but he's good and you know what else this is Corey? i'm gonna throw this out real quick this is also the second film we've done with a cameo from lisa Loeb. and i was gonna i i meant to lean into that when we mentioned i didn't mention dark castle <laughs> For Speaking of cover songs, no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I watched it again just because I, I, I we were, again, those technical difficulties that kind of delayed us uh, getting uh, the last episode out kind of caught up to us again. I wanted to watch it again because, again, I've only seen it like, I've seen it twice before I watched it a third time, but it had been a while since I had seen it. And like, and, and thankfully, I'd, when I watched it the first time of this new grouping of I've realized, like, I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> so much about it works on so many levels. You're not surprised at the end of making a sequel, even though it didn't make a ton of money. And ironically, the sequel went straight to video. 
What? It's and like it, those sequels for uh, House on Haunted Hill, right? Yeah, and just like with those, this one that that sequel to this has nothing to do with it. Go figure. And they said, I, from what I understand, it's more or less a remake of this one. So a remake of a remake. Okay. In Romania. Okay. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> hey, man, that sounds like <laughs> what's the other one? Black Christmas has been like remade twice in like a, how many years? Ten year period. Right? Black Christmas. Uh, what else? I mean, the, the, you know, uh, April Fool. April yeah. Fool's Day was remade. Didn't see any of those. That, and again, I kind of unfairly lumped this in with just those things. But this movie's a lot of fun. I, I, yeah. that, that's the thing I would say. And I love that there's a backstory between Jerry and Peter Vincent. Right. That wasn't in the first movie. Right. You know? Sometimes those things just feel so artificial. Yes. You know, they, they, they feel like we've, you know, like, yeah, we've been here. We've, oh, it just feels shoehorned in, but it felt natural. Dude, when Farrell says you got your mother's eyes and your father's aim, I almost fucking pissed my pants. Dude, that was a, it was yeah. And that's the thing too. Jerry Dandridge has to be this kind of charming. You I can't yeah. Because Colin Farrell had done so many things, so many different parts in between 85 and when this movie came out. So part of me was like already changed whatever brooding thing that I was that I that I knew uh, him for he had done so many things in between that made me remember like what his charm was like when you see phone booth for the first time it's like i mean that movie's all about him and, and he, how great tigerland tigerland oh man yeah he can play the quiet type when he shows up in the gentleman you know i just that's i got the gentleman vibe from this even though he doesn't talk he's like going all right this is old colin farrell man he's just he's having fun and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows he's not trying to carry the movie. He knows what's going on here. I think everybody's on board. Again, Tony Collette, Tenet, Mint Plaza. I, I, we keep dancing around it. We said Charlie's name a hundred times. We've not mentioned who plays him. Oh, this. right. Anton Yeltsin, who we and, love here. Who we love here. And we both talked about it, how, what an amazing triple feature of this Odd Thomas and Bearing the X would be. He did this series of movies, like I said, I just mentioned the other two that are just so, you can tell the... Anton loved making this kind of movie. And he didn't just do this movie because it was a studio movie. He did this movie because he goes, you can tell he digs making this kind of flick. Yeah. Apparently this is the story. The, the reason this got you know, Colin Farrell, Colin, like Fright Night is Colin Farrell's favorite vampire movie. There you go. That's what I, that's, that's how the story goes. Well, let's, let's, let's just text it. Let's text Colin and ask him. Yeah, I'll do that. What, will you text him? Uh, sure. Or have Joey text him, dude. He'll yeah, Joey. <laughs> Joey text him. Joey text Colin Farrell. He says who? <laughs> who? Colin who? Uh, well, you know, I feel, I think we should make Joey watch in Bruges. The three of us, that should be the movie. That should be our movie. So, with that, but then we have a, okay, it won't be a disengage, but yeah. In we have Bruges. to do a disengage and then we can do a regular episode of in Bruges. There you go. God, dude, this movie, there's so much to talk about because I, I feel like I just uncovered something that like, I like, I just dug up like a 19... 46 Volkswagen bug in mint condition. I'm like, right. Holy God, what has been buried in my backyard for, you know, 50 years. <laughs> All of the things you think you already know from Fright Night, they throw you, they throw you little curveballs, which is great. Dude, we didn't mention this. Did we mention that, uh, Sarandon shows up uh, no. in a cameo? The only cameo of anybody from the first or the second movie front based off Tom Holland's originals. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, right. but just him. He's the only one who shows up. And it's great too. And he looks, dude, he still looks like, he looks like Jerry Danders circa 19. He, maybe I he is know. a vampire. Maybe Sarandon is a vampire. Yeah. He did something recently for uh, Disney plus a, sh a show about props and stuff. And he did a whole thing on, 
uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. And of course, he does the voice of Jack Skellington. Well, the, the acting voice of Jack Skellington. Of course, Danny Elfman does the singing voice. And he looks exactly the same. And this is 10 years after this. Right. That's a great moment too. By the way, I've talked on this show before how much, even though we haven't talked about the movie, how as a as an actual full episode, but how much I love the camera work in going in and out of the van of Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. During just before our our man Chris Sarandon shows up, that whole highway move, that whole chase sequence, all of that stuff with Jerry going after them. Yep. That is so good. I mean, I know. It's a great, and it's a feat of editing too, because I, you know, ninety five percent of it is all done on a sound stage, probably on a on a lazy Sus, the vehicles on a lazy Sus, and a whole bunch of stuff. But it, lots of camera trickery, lots of camera rigs that don't get used in the way that they're used in this. I mean, there's there's moments where I feel like there's people handing off, like uh, you know, fig rigs being handed off, and just through vehicles. It just it's so exceptionally well executed. And to me, it's like one of my favorite moments of the movie. So when it gets capped off with Sarandon's cameo, that's when I text you, you go, this movie's so much better than it gets credit for. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we should talk, really, we should talk about uh, the way it's shot too. I mean, the yeah. cinematographer is no slouch. I mean, no. you know, uh, you, you may have heard of some of these films, uh, The Others, oh, yeah. The Road, Blue Jasmine, Thor Ragnarok. The guy knows what he's doing, man. And and that's that's the other thing about this movie. I wasn't expecting, I mean, it looks, I mean, it looks way better than movies of this type usually look. Right. You know, I mean, there's some some thoughtful camera work. There's some beautiful compositions set up. Man, like I said, I slept on this movie for no other reason other than I was just against the whole remaking of Fright Night. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm a fan, you know, I love Fright Night. I love the sequel to Fright Night. Yeah. Um, and now I love this remake of Fright Night. I yeah. don't know if I'm going, I don't think I'm going to go Fright Night part two, two. No. I'm not going to do that whole thing. I'm not. I'm just going to leave it. it at this. Be, be careful. Don't accidentally buy the sequel to this thinking it's the other one. The other one is going to be in, in distribution purgatory forever. Unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to see it released. Yeah. I mean, I have that weird <laughs> Blu-ray that I bought. I think I bought it at a, bought it at an event. I don't remember if we mentioned on the air, but we're probably talking about doing like a Patreon only of that, but it kind of sucks because most people aren't going to be able to see it. Right. I, Nobody's going to be able to, no, but yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's real hard to find, man. I mean, I do, I have a really good Blu-ray of it. I told you it's got a bunch of extras on it. It's got, it's got all of the uh, anniversary stuff uh, with the cast, the entire cast, including Tom Holland at the Egyptian on stage. It's, and the, and the Blu-ray is really good quality. I don't know that you can find it anywhere now. I, I, I want to say I bought it or what's our favorite theater to make fun of? The Arrow. The Arrow. <laughs> in the lobby at the Arrow for some reason. It seems like how I got it. I, um, I can't remember off Let's well, establish something right now for those. <laughs> we don't dislike the Arrow. Like you said no. previously, it's it's just a pain just in the butt. It's hard to get to and not get a ticket. <laughs> Everybody there kicks ass. Yeah, dude, totally. We have a friend that works there and and he's a massive film fan himself and but the the place is great. It's a wonderful venue, and and, and obviously we've been talking about Beyond Fest, and you know most of the the bigger uh, titles have been there during the last week and a half or so. It's the journey to the Arrow that's the, the, the difficulty for us. Yes. Only reason I ever go to the New Art when I, we used to go to the New Art all the time is because I was already at work and I could just hit it on the way home. There's so much to love about this movie, and we are only 28 minutes into the movie, and anytime we've hit 
all of our bullet points this quickly right. is when we're super excited to talk about it. And if you looked at it and we haven't had too many pauses in here because there's lots of great stuff to talk about, which we have, but also lots of great things that we don't want to ruin for anybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, dude, look, I'm glad I didn't know anything about this movie. Like you didn't, you didn't tell me anything about it. I knew that Tenet was in it. It's funny too, because all the pieces for me to watch this movie were there. I just refused to do it on principle of remix. Cause I love Farrell, as you know, I love Tenet. I love Anton. I love Tony Collette. Imogene Poots, all I do. I love all of the pieces. They all add up. If I was yeah. to you know, be like, man, this thing ticked every box. How come I, I haven't watched it? Well, now I have. And I got to say, you know, it won't be the last time I will watch this again. It was one of those picks when you said, what about Fright Night? And we talked about Fright Night too. And we just couldn't figure out how anybody would watch it. Right. And you said, what about the original? And I was like, mm, well, well, I've never seen it. So, okay. And then I was like, holy shit, man. I, te- I think I texted you. I don't even think I was halfway through it. And I was like, God, dude, this is actually really cool. Right? <laughs> it's the same thing I did with you. I'm like, Lord. And I'd already seen it. I just forgot everything about it. We talked about how the studios look to nostalgia for us to draw, to be drawn in to want to see it. It was, but funny thing was it backfired. The, the nostalgia for the original is what kept people away. Right. It kept us away and it didn't do great box office, you know, and so, I mean, we're only, again, we're only mentioning box office for the sake of who saw it. For a movie, it's 10. It, we're seeing this more and more now. We're seeing more movies hitting that 10-year point, 15-year point where they're be, they're getting new love because, well, people are finally coming around. I'm like going, I'll finally watch this. And you're seeing it. You're like going, oh, what the fuck was I thinking, right? You avoid attack the block because the name did nothing for you. <laughs> right. No, no, totally. It, that's what this is like. This is one of those movies where I'm going to be putting it in a category of, Hey, guess what? This is the one time nostalgia is burning you and it's not doing you any service because- this- And aren't these, uh, and these are both from 2011, right? Attack the Block and Fright yep. Night. They're both yep. 2011. Yeah. It's funny, man. Yeah. And you're right. Nostalgia, you know, sometimes nostalgia can burn you. Like, yeah. you know, it's like we talk about all the time or we should be talking about, right? The premise, <laughs> better remembered or remembered better. You know, sometimes you put those blinders on the, the, it's better, it's better than you remember it. Or, you know, you put on those blinders like, Hey man, there's no way I'm watching this movie. There's no way it's sacrilegious. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this might be so a point where, you know, I've, I've kind of, I, I will from here on out, I will give things a fair shake. Right. Especially if I, if I liked it once, there's not a reason why I might not like it again in the hands of a skilled filmmaker and a, and a cast like this. So right. I, I enjoyed the shit out of this dude that, and you're right. That scene, uh, well, that last scene, that whole sequence is totally, it's a, it's a, it's a mashup of angel Buffy and blade Yep. too. Yep. So good. Right. You know, this isn't the only movie that, that Anton and imaging were in together. Um, they were in Saulnier's uh, green room also a couple of years after this, right. three or four yep. years after this, it, they were, they work so well together. And, and I, it's funny if you look at, have you seen her filmography recently between, you know, from her, her, of, you know, her debut and features anyway, was playing, you know, Valerie Page when she was baby, well, not baby, when she was young, when she was a young girl, that was 2005, which she's done in 15 years. That's a, an impressive Dude. I mean, the first thing I ever saw her in, I swear, I, I'm pretty sure it was 28 weeks later, right? The sequel yeah, was 28 uh-huh. days later. Yeah, yeah. That was the first thing I ever saw her in, and I'm, maybe that's the first thing she was in. But yeah, man, dude, she is an actress that you know her name, you've seen, you've seen her in a bunch of stuff, 
and you wonder why she's not a bigger star. She's a freaking chameleon too. The only thing that yeah, sells on totally. The only thing that gives her away and, and all these multitude of parts that she has are those eyes. I was just going to say her <laughs> eyes, man. <laughs> totally. Does it matter what color hair you put her in? It's a period movie. What you you know, or like Green Room, how they dress her in that. It's like she has one of those things. You you see that with Florence Pugh. Also, you just have this. They have this way of carrying themselves, but. If you look at that filmography, how do you have 25 plus movies in a 15 year period? And they're not small movies. You know, they're not, right. some of them are a bit smaller parts in this, but again, the way she plays Amy in this, I like what Gillespie and what, what Marty Noxon did, how they created her. She wasn't this, she wasn't, you know, cause that's the thing with the original Charlie was like, we was more obsessed with, with the neighbor dude. You know, he's more obsessed right. with Jerry than his girlfriend. And that's why she right. was so she so easily was you know pulled into that. Now, speaking of the original, and this is one of the few times I'm going to lean on the original because there there is a scene for scene comparable between the two. Yes, yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna I know exactly what you're gonna talk about because I was just fucking biting my tongue not to ruin it. Go ahead, dude. You go ahead, go ahead because I, I, we can go on for a bit. You're talking one. about the the nightclub. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, yes, so good. I was wondering if they were going to do it, first of all. Yes. And then I was wondering, <laughs> are they going to be able to pull that shit off? Right. Because it's so good in the first one. And it's such a, like that vampire moment where Sarandon, you know, he, but I love the way they did it, man. Yep. It totally works. By updating it the way they did too. In 1985, yeah, you would get away because everybody's on Coke. Yep. <laughs> so you wouldn't even notice what's going on on the dance floor. But 20, 2011, in Vegas, everybody's distracted. Everybody's loaded. Nobody is noticing the fact that he turns her right in the middle of the dance floor. Right. No, dude, absolutely. So good. And it's and they don't, here's the thing, they put it in there and then not to make any puns here, but they make a, they don't make a meal of it and they get in and out of there so fast into where they incapacitate Charlie just like that with the bouncers. It's so, it's what they've taken from the original and made it their own. And, and again, the smart move of leaving a lot of things out and that people would have just went, oh God, why? I went and read a couple of reviews after watching it the first of these last two times just to see if anybody was complaining, any of these reviews from back in 2011, if there anybody complained about things that were missing, elements that were missing from the first, from the original that were, that were, uh, that were in the original weren't here and nobody had any problem with it. It, overall, this movie has a generally acceptable view by the by the audience of people that have seen it. But that is the problem, though, isn't it? It's people that have not seen it have the issues. Right. So. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm going to, going back to Imogene Poots real quick, I'm going to throw this out there. If you haven't seen it and you want to check out some more Imogene Poots, on Hulu, you can watch Cameron Crowe's Roadies, which originally aired on Showtime. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to leave it at that. Roadies should tell you all you need to know. Cameron Crowe, Roadies, Hulu, check it out. Mm -hmm. She's great in it. You know, it's one of those series that's kind of like, I was looking for a longer run from that. And hey, man, but you know, it, it's it's a one-off. So it's 10 episodes. Check out something fun and and watch her. She's great in it. And it's funny because, again, I didn't even remember she was in it until I was watching Fright Night. And I started looking. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, she, she was in Roadies. Because she's a chameleon, man. She yeah. literally... Dude, she was in The Father with Anthony Hopkins. 
right? just uh, a year and a half ago, right? That he yeah. won an Oscar for. And she's in one. And she's in one of those Black Christmases I talked about. <laughs> right. She's in the yes. She was in the last version of Black Christmas. Right. Yeah. And she's so good that you don't ever realize. Oh yeah, there she is. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of when I see that she's in something, I kind of will seek it out now. Oh yeah. I've I've gotten to that point. Yes, I agree. And again, if you look at the work. One of the things that I forgot, because I'd only seen like half of it once, this is when Aaron Paul was at the height of his- Breaking Badness. You know, his awareness of Breaking Badness and, and winning Emmys. When he did the the video game adaptation for the feature film, Need for Speed, and he played, she plays the girl. She plays his love interest in a very, uh, very thinly veiled story. <laughs> so right. you, it's funny when you look at the the breakdown, the plot breakdown- on, on Wikipedia, it's like like six or seven paragraphs. I'm like, man, who wrote this plot summarization here? The writer of the movie? Because it's ridiculous. But she's in that, and I forgot that she was in it. She she just has one of those things. But this is the proof I'm talking about. She doesn't do anything other than what she wants to do. And that's the thing she, whatever just she wants to, you know, chew on. Anton was the same way. I think that's why, even though we t- I mentioned two other movies that are very genre based, but how different are they? Odd Thomas, he sees ghosts. This, he, he's got a vampire living next door. Right. Burying the ex and runs in a cult uh, store. I felt like he always did, he did the Star Trek movies to put money in his pocket to where he didn't have to worry about. Yeah, man. Doing smaller stuff. He, he is sorely missed, really is exceptional actor just a yeah. sweetheart he's just was one of those guys that everybody was drawn to and he just made everything he was in better and this is proof of that oh yeah man he's like he's with the he's the cast that just rocks balls and that's all there is to it no other reason ignore that it's a fact it's a remake ignore all those things ignore all the yep. shit you've heard about just the take movie. it on its own man yep. as its own movie yeah that's 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 kind of what i did there's one there's number two for you for october um, next week we got a fun one, and like we mentioned already, you haven't seen that one yet, and what I'm so I'm excited to get into that. But that's a good one too. I'm, but please check this one out. You know what? I was thinking the other day, man. I wonder if this is one we might find at Big Lots. Seems like I've seen it at Big Lots <laughs> hundred, right. hundreds of times. And I just know. Like, was like, just stay there in that bin, you <laughs> son of a no, bitch. I'm so regretting not picking it up when I saw it. I'm sure I did too. I'm like, oh no, I'm, I, like not even touch it. Like you. Like use another DVD to move it out of the way so you don't have to touch it. Yeah, totally. I don't want to get my hands dirty. It's bullshit. It's a great, it's a, it's a great time. Super fun. Everybody in it rocks. It, the, the parts that are, are its own are great. The parts that it pays homage to are great. And the stuff that they leave out were great choices to leave out. You know, it's, it, they did, they, they took a property that already existed and made their own and it works. So check it out. It again, rental, maybe pick it up on the cheap on the, on the Blu-ray. But it's it's a fun time again. Add it to your queue for for October going forward because it's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're looking for something you haven't seen every October since October started or whenever you were born, whatever comes first, <laughs> right. uh, check it out. You know, I mean, if you're like as old as Methuselah, you probably should be watching it anyway if you haven't seen it by now because you've already seen the original Halloween nine million fucking times. And who needs to sit through that snooze fest again? <laughs> I'm just saying, look, I've seen it so many times. I can't watch it. I don't care anymore. I just can't. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's not a good movie, but do I really need to watch Halloween again? No, no, I don't. I mean, I can fucking recite the whole thing. Don't let nostalgia get in the way. 
the nostalgia blinders. So you want to follow the show on Twitter ads at Karate Pod or Instagram. It's the same at Karate Pod. And that letterboxing, you can find Corey at Corey underscore Culp. And if you want to support the show on Patreon again, or just pop in there and we start posting free stuff, that's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. That's it. <laughs> that's it. If you'd like to follow me, you can still follow me at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody Letterboxd. 